problem in Jewish writing, the problem of evil. From the very beginning of Jewish thinking, the problem of evil has been discussed and has been agonized over. But that really means, to put it in its most concise form, there are four premises that cannot coexist. What are the four premises? A, that Hashem exists. B, that God is all-knowing. C, that God is all-powerful. D, that God is all-good. And all these are intertwined into one really premise. And that evil exists. Why could those four not coexist? Because if God exists, is all-knowing, He knows about evil, He's all-powerful, He can change the course of evil, and He's good, then why don't you do something about it? That's the question. And yet evil exists. Some people will deny the fourth premise. For example, Buddha said there's no such thing as evil in the world. Why is there no evil in the world? It's all an illusion. There's no real suffering. Therefore, one can conclude that Buddhism is a very immoral, in quotes, religion. Because they don't see evil. Because all of reality is really what he calls in the, in, the, in the Buddhist term is maya. Maya means an illusion. That means suffering to death is not really suffering to death. It's an illusion that you are seeing. All they want us to do is simply go to one's own meditative state, meditate, think, and that solves all problems. So, <clears throat> Buddhism doesn't, doesn't accept that evil really exists. There, there are some philosophers to that degree. Rabbi Soloveitchik's position over here, as Judaism is actually also, evil is real, it's powerful, it's overwhelming, and it's there. And yet, God of course exists, of course God is all good, of course God is omnipotent and, and omniscient. How do all of these premises, assumptions, these facts, he would call them, how do they all coexist? Who manipulates evil? I'm sorry? Who manipulates evil? Who does it? Who does it? We. But the question is, we, we have to go beyond this. Wait, give me a second. We have to go beyond this and figure out what is the source of evil and where does it come from. Now, when Soloveitchik has a very unique approach to this problem, even of course he wrote, called into effect, the voice of my lover, Max, in the aftermath of the Holocaust, which was the, the most powerful expression of evil that we as a people ever experienced. Massive, overwhelming. When Soloveitchik begins, I'll summarize for you what we read last week, that this is an issue that has been struggled with by Moshe, Yirmiyahu, Habakkuk, and of course the most prominent personality is Eeyore. Interesting is that nobody has a very simple answer to this issue. One does not simply say, look, God is good, close the book, and story, go home. And that's the end. Why not? Because they all experienced evil to the depths of their souls. They are suffering with what's going on in their lives. Yirmiyahu sees the Khurban, he sees children slaughtered. Where's the Torah uh, In Yirmiyahu's case, Yirmiyahu was not able to pray the full prayer because of that. If you know the Gemara, of course, in Masichet <coughs> Yomar, it says, Yirmiyahu cannot say, Where's his awesomeness? Where's his great strength? I cannot say that part of the Tefillah, because obviously God cannot be Nora, cannot be Gibor. Because look what's happening in the world. He could not pray that. Because they believe that God steals truth, and I don't feel this to be true, I cannot say this statement. It's a very radical, powerful statement. But the man who is living through the evil has to respond to it with honesty, with integrity, and with truth. If he were to say, where he sees children being slaughtered, then that would not be an honest statement of Gersh Baruch Unless you really believe it. If you really believe, yeah, God, you're wonderful, you're great, this is a great, wonderful manifestation of your kindness and mercy to see a kid thrown into the crematorium. You could say that and really believe it, and you're okay, then you can really do it. But most could not do so. And you will note Berkowitz in, in his introduction, which is one of the two most brilliant pages that I've ever read to this book, where he says there's a holiness to the faith of those who did say, when they saw the kids being thrown in, but there's an equal holiness of unbelief. Those who could not sustain the faith in, in, in the sight of these is also holy. And we cannot judge them. What happens in our tefillot? Let's say, say something simple like the end of Birkman's Zone. We say, Lora Iti Fani Benazim Right. Okay, that's, that's a very good... Right. How do you say that? How do I say it? How do you say that? Correct. So, again, I, I hope it's not a simple answer, and we'll get to all of that as we go along but I would read Berkowitz's book in terms of that particular issue. And he says, when one is Job, when one is Eeyore, feeling the afflictions in your body, then it's a different set of rules. Same rules do not apply. And we certainly cannot judge them. We are not Job, we are Job's brother, as he puts it into the introduction of his book. <clears throat> and 
with that in mind, he tries to deal with the problem of evil. What can one say in the face of evil? Uh, so the basic discussion over here is that he first says that this is a very intractable problem. It's the most problematic issue that Judaism has ever had to face. How do the righteous suffer? How do the evil seemingly go free? What are we supposed to do when we confront evil on a massive, overwhelming level? What is the halakhic answer to the problem of evil? Now, this is a, a critically important point, because it's typical of Rabbi Salavachik, wherein even a philosophical problem is rooted in halakhic categories. He has made halakha not simply halakha, but he's used halakha to be the focal point around which all Jews' thought emerges from. This is very difficult for example, something like, like Abraham Yeshua Heschel, where Rabbi Heschel sees halakha with a shemitah person himself personally. He kept halakha, but his philosophical orientation was very different. It didn't go hand in hand with his halakha. And in some cases, I'm sure his philosophy impacted upon his halakha. That's true too. But for Rabbi Salavajit, the focal point of all of life is halakha, and all philosophical issues, whatever you're going to be dealing with, is all halakha. This is the key to all of Rabbi Soloveitchik's thought, to appreciate the centrality of halakha even in philosophical problems. Now, <clears throat> what does the Rav say? Point number one. The Rav rejects all attempts to explain away suffering as illusion. Suffering exists. One <coughs> cannot deny the reality of evil. You're suffering, you're in pain, what do I do now? How can anybody imagine this an illusion? How could anybody try to uh, Well, again, there, there, there are close to a billion people in the world who believe that today, number one. All Buddhists but if, but if believe that. But if they somebody suffering, they say it's, it's illusion. not real? It's not real. It's not really happening. It's an so illusion. It's, 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 it's temporary. It's temporary, maybe. Or well, it's temporary. Well, no, do they say it's temporary? Do they say this doesn't exist? They're saying it's, it's an illusion. Reality is an illusion to them. Something else. I think if you meditate enough, you can... You know, ignore the suffering, transcend. Transcend it. Transcend it. Because it's not real. What's really real? Real, real is your is your meditation. So because you see something that really exists in a in a real sense, so they ignore it. About a billion of these ignore it. You know, look. You ever went to India? Ever go to India? No. Go to India one of these days, right? And you see the holy cows walking on one side of the street, and you see the starving beggars literally dropping dead of starvation in the street, and ignore it. You see bodies covered with flies, literally ignored. But you know why it's ignored? Because it's not really real. I mean, to that degree, there's an insensitivity to human life. Judaism will not say that. Judaism will attack the problem. Not maybe understand why it's happening, but at least attack the problem that exists. So number one, one cannot deny the reality of evil. It's too contrary to the human experience. We experience pain and suffering and evil, but that's real. Evil is a fact that cannot be denied. There is suffering in the world, point number one. Number two, many have tried, the Rambam and others have tried to philosophically explain evil. All kinds of solutions. As the Rambam would say, evil is a privation of good. It's simply in the same way that there's an absence of Darkness is the absence of light. Evil is the absence of good. It's not also, in a certain philosophical sense, real. It's only the absence of good. Now, does this really solve anything or not? No. My problem is that it doesn't really solve anything. But the Rambo, again, try to understand the Rambo. Evil is the privation of good. It's not real either in that sense. The Rambo seems to be saying. But he's struggling trying to solve why is there suffering in the world? Why is there evil in the world? And that's what he says about it. The Rav, Rabbi Salavachik, is saying that that doesn't solve anything e either. Our world view, he will say, will lead us to the conclusion that because we have only a fragmented, partial view of the world, therefore one can never really fully understand the problem. We should not attempt to think about it. We should, never, we should not even attempt to approximate a response to it. We can never explain it. We, it is intrinsically impossible for one with finite vision to encompass both the historical as well as theological totality of evil. He's we cannot understand it. Answer. He's saying there's no answer. Sure. We cannot understand the answer. Not that there is no answer. We, seeing a virtual um, slice of reality, cannot fully understand the answer to the point. In other words, evil is a problem within creation, I would say. 
In this sense, I would say. Now, what is the problem within creation? And it began with, began with creation and extends all the way to the end of creation, which is, let's say, four or five billion years or whatever number we want to use, then one has to encompass the totality of that picture to see, to understand what's there. We cannot understand with our fragmented vision of reality what the all, what the all-encompassing answer to evil actually is. Are you well, I didn't get to the whole point yet. But no, I would say I'm not really happy with it. What I am happy with is the notion, A, that it's intrinsically impossible to solve. And the question has to be, as I've tried to do, can we take the manifestation of evil and invent, if you're given, no matter how illogical you're going to be, could you explain one child suffering? Could you think of something? Uh, evil, uh, a world without evil, you wouldn't appreciate the good. Uh, okay. If everything was good, uh, everybody would be uh, Hashem's puppets, and uh, you have to give them the freedom to be good or bad, to be able to... To be able to... To keep on going. I need 50 or 60 premises like that, Why? and would that help me with the problem of evil? Free will is one issue. Uh, give me uh, a love about another issue. You give me 50 or 60 premises, would that solve the Holocaust? That's the question that one has to, to really raise. If one were to work through this problem systematically and see that I have all these problems, free will, olam haba, the charge not really suffering. I mean, again, I can say something as, as absurd as, we halakhal are allowed to fish. We take a throw a hook in, catch the fish, take it out, and we eat it. No shechita. Can't really rationalize the effect that uh, evil has on the people is affecting the rationalize that I would say that you know, uh, Cannot really rationalize the effect that evil is having on people. On the people that we can rationalize. Talk about those people. Talk about a person who exposes evil. Okay. Is it possible that, let's say, a Hasidic rabbi who went through evil saw this as purifying? No problem. This is not evil. Let's say he says it's not evil to me. He's being, his skin is being torn. And he says, no, this is wonderful. Maybe it's a is that a, possib- is that a possibility? Him. Exactly. It's close to Hashem. And he's saying this is purifying, it's cathartic, it's appropriate, it's fine, it's wonderful. Now, could I call that evil? No. But Jews throughout their history, the Holocaust is an example, but throughout their history they've been persecuted and killed. And yeah, it's all right, okay, good. But, uh, but are gone. Yeah. That's true. Totally but I, again, but I could solve that because they chose to be gone. They chose to assemble, they chose to intermarry. Anybody who doesn't experience evil himself in that way <coughs> would be but you're justifying all the evil for the last... I'm, I'm, ju- I'm trying to figure out a way. Is there any way... You're right. Is there any way that one can ultimately, with all the premises, justify <laughs> evil? In the sense that we have said that the the e- or the fish does not feel pain. Hence, the Halakha says you have to do shechita. We are very compassionate people. The Halakha we, we want so much... In, one of the symbols of Noah is don't be cruel to animals. It's an incredible religion we have over here. That yeah. th- well, thousands of years ago, we said, seven most important principles to the world. Seven. Don't, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't kill. Right? Justice. All these things we said. Right? All these things. One of them is, don't be cruel to animals. That's an amazingly sensitive statement. And yet, why do we allow fishing? With a very not such nice thing. Take a hook, throw it in, catch the fish, pull it out, fry it, eat it. That's just oh, horrifying. The, the, the answer is the halakha says that fish at, are such a pre or halakha believe are such a pre-state of pain the, neuro, the neurology is not developed sufficiently they don't feel pain they don't care now is that evil? no they don't care so what about if every manifestation that we think is evil right that, that the second that that person starts to experience pain let's say Hashem, a righteous person the second that he gets into the, the, the first fire gets to burn his little uh, singes here that is transformed into pleasure right and what we what we view as pain from this point of view is what pleasure now I'm not saying, this, I'm not saying I believe in all this I'm saying is can one ultimately justify all this kind of evil well, right you're saying justify as the destiny of those who, are, who it's inflicted no. on, right? You're not saying justify the fact that, you know, a criminal deal but just say, how do you justify no, the fact that people have to suffer right. from him? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. So now, is that, I don't know, I, I may be able to justify evil in this way, but it's silly. Ultimately, you're right. I can do that by making all kinds of hypotheses. Nobody's feeling pain. It's all pleasure. I'm sorry? It, it's, it's, it's Yeah, it's silly. I can justify anything that way. 
I just find what my friend, I met on the moon. You don't see it because you're not looking at the moon in the right way because they're on the other side. Whatever comes this way, they're on the other side. It's not rational. So if one can really philosophically justify ultimately evil if one tries with enough premises to do so, but it's not really dealing with the issue in its black and white intensity. So when someone says, we're not going to try to justify all these crazy premises that you're going to have. Really, you can. Again, without tries to do so. He doesn't say that over here. You can say, oh, the Holocaust was wonderful. Why? Because it purged Jewish people, because they all want to love Haba. And you have ten different reasons why you could say the Holocaust was wonderful. He's saying that's perverse. He's not going to take the easy way out. All Lam Habas, and they don't suffer, and they all, what about a two and a half year old child, the bottom and then, God forbid, dies? What do we say? Oh, they were in a formal existence, then they needed two and a half years to perfect themselves, now they're probably going to go straight to back. So be happy, don't mourn. He's not going to say all of that. One can, in fact, justify evil all the way through, but he's not going to say that. But people need an answer, I fear. He's not going to, he does not use religion to pacify the soul. It's correct. The best answer, you're right, that a rabbi who's a clergyman can give to someone who experiences evil is that Hashem wanted us. It's wonderful. It's for the good. It's purifying. This kid straight on Abba, what are you crying about? Right. We have to be because we weren't so good. Right. They were saved because we were bad. That's the worst answer. This kid died because I was bad? That's sick. I don't know if that's perverse. And if I were the person now, I would say that that's, that that's justice? To the contrary, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. No, don't even say that. To the contrary, yeah, kill me, exactly. Or to say that Hashem is just testing you. Now, again, that's one of the answers. But Hashem tests his righteous, you're righteous, don't cry, don't accept it. Then you're righteous. No, I won't go from that by saying, I don't want to be righteous. I'll go out and sin tomorrow, save my children. Who would, would not do that? Let me go to the Hanel Shabbat, so I don't have to, God forbid, that I don't want to tempt God to test me. I want to be a regular, normal, evil guy, and my kids will live. That's, not, that's, the, that's my reaction to that answer. So I'm not going to go so far with that, what I think is, is perverse. No, I get the most emotionally satisfying answer, if one can accept it, is Hashem did this for some wonderful good, okay, accept it, and it's a good. Now, if one can accept that, the person feels better in his heart. It's Hashem's will, the child is happy, the child's in a warm haba, and everything's okay. But that is the most satisfying. But is it not? It's different when it happens by accident, and it's different when, when the soldier. They would say the there's no accident. It's when real. the soldier's taking the child away from the mother, and the soldier and the baby's crying. It's not an accident. Mommy, mommy, Hashem what she does. Hashem, that approach, as David will tell you, well, is that Hashem has control over everything. Manipulating, uh, manipulating, doing everything. Correct. Evil. Correct. For some higher reason. But he's not going to answer this way. He's not going to use religion to pacify. He's not known as a kill. lose more people. Well, not worried about people. It's about religion and truth. Religion and philosophical truth. He's not interested in people. Bottom line. Bottom line. That's the first real manifestation of pain that is written in the Quran. The struggle. The struggle of Yaakov. But it's a life process. he actually get that quote-unquote injury. Yeah, and yeah, come to Mara, Okay, yeah. now, I don't think he's heartfelt pain in Akedah. Uh, no, psychological. Right. But uh, in, in this case, it was physical pain also. And at the end, what become? Yasar Ev. You believe that right? Yasar Ev. Yasar right. Ev. So, maybe we, sh- we should look at it from this point of view. When there is a physical and a psychological you, yeah. uh, pain and, and, and suffering, at the end, if you look at it over history, you become whole. Oh, it could be. Okay, that's one. If we see the end of history, that could be what it, that's the total vision. Total vision. That, that could be. We overcome all these. But again, he's not uh, going to tell you that. Those forces. forces. Yes, and we still, because after... How many thousands of years we still survive? Okay, all well, that may and, be. And but he's not going to answer all that. You, everybody has a need to justify it, to rationalize it. He's not going to make it make it easy for you. It's not going to say this is God's will and it's okay and it's fine because the guy's arm is burning off and say, no, don't worry about it. His arm's going straight to the blah, blah, blah. He's going to say, I don't know. He's going to say, I don't know. And he believes... He's going to say, I don't know. He, well, he's going to say, this is the real Jewish answer. I don't know. It's utterly incredible that he denies, as I mentioned last week, biblically speaking, there's a very wonderful book called Bayat HaGemur Batanach, The Problem of in Tanakh. That's one. You could also write a book on Bayat HaGemur Batalmud, the Talmud, Masech Kedushim, 
Datlam and Amudbet is one example of that. Masechet Shabbat is another example of that. But there are many places which try to will solve the problem with premises. Olam Haba, Islam is so bad, that's a trouble. Why? Well, perhaps because the Talmudic era was one of uh, untold suffering for the Jewish people. Talking about Kuchva revolt, talking about the Chorban Ben Amidash, about horrible situations. And when people are suffering in that area, you're right, they need an answer. So therefore the answer is, the man's daughter is being carried out to be raped and three times and to be burnt and everything else, you tell him, don't worry about it. Because it's evil, that's what it really is. You can't answer free will or that. Why not? Because that person is suffering. But what's the best answer? It's Hashem's will to go straight to heaven. And it's okay. Maybe that's the best emotional answer. I respect the emotional answer. Okay, but who's not going to do that? Exactly. 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 It's psychologically true, though not theologically true. But didn't, like, if you say something like that, didn't they used to sacrifice the people? Not at that period of time. No, no, that's what I was saying a thousand years earlier. They used to sacrifice yeah, people. They said the pain that she's suffering now and the giving up of her life will send her, her soul to... Well, the Jews didn't do that. The pagans did that. The pagans did that. But pagans didn't, didn't, sort of pagans didn't, didn't I don't oh, recall ever reading where pagans would answer theologically the issue. To the contrary, they would say, you're propitiating the deity. The gods will now be happy with this beautiful young virgin. virgin yeah. And she goes up, and now the, cl- the crops will be blessed. They didn't worry about her pain. No, the parent did it. Look, I have to give back to God. God gave me, you know, uh, wonderful crops. All right, I have to give back to God. I take, I give back. Jews didn't try to purge that idea. So that would not be relevant to him. So therefore, Rabbi Sarah is saying that you cannot solve the problem. Now you're right, the pain is much more intense when you think, I don't know why this happened, this great horrible tragedy happened. The pain is that much more intense. But his point over here is, what do I do now? He's, he's really saying over here that all those answers are pseudo-answers. It's all great and may be true, but it's not going to really do help you. What will help you? says there are two modes of response. We ended up last week. There are two modes of response that are possible. One is called Goral, one is called Yehud. Goral means fate, Yehud means destiny. Fate means that I'm going to endure the suffering, I'm going to philosophize with it, I'm going to struggle with it, I'm going to be <coughs> overwhelmed by it. Yehud means destiny. Destiny means that I'm going to actively and creatively attack the evil, I'm going to grow by virtue of the evil. <coughs> I'm going to just try to do something positive and meaningful despite the evil. I'm not going to ever understand it. This point over here is. Sadiq there's evil in the world. Can I explain it? No. Can I, can I intellectualize it away? No. Can I create 25 premises? No. What do I do with it? Halakha will tell you, simply, creatively use that evil to perfect yourself, to perfect the world, to grow from it without understanding it. Rabbi, doesn't this um, undermine a lot of concepts we have about that if you're bad, if you are bad, Hashem punishes you, but if you repent, then Hashem will be good to you, but then here they all were. I mean, and it doesn't have, you don't have to... He's not, no, no, are you saying that? ...to suffer, but it, it affects... You the individual, correct. The individual, which one, but whether we, we will not conclude that every manifestation of supposed evil is a result of badness. We're not going to say that. We're not going to say that because I'm suffering, there's no cause of effect. We're not going to say because I'm suffering before I was bad. Actually, your friends try to tell them, you are bad, you are suffering, therefore you are bad. No, it wasn't bad. And the end result of Eyob is that Hashem says to Eyob, you're right and they're wrong. You do not, we know that this is all true because we know, the, we know behind the scenes that in New York, what happened to New York? He was innocent. He was happy. He was joyous. What did I do wrong? From one point of view, we're reading in one way. So we don't conclude that because they're suffering, therefore you did evil. Now that is a factor in the entire equation. Certainly there is a doctrine of Sakhar Ba'onesh in Torah, which means collectively or individually that if I do sin, I'm going to pay a price. I'm sorry? Yeah. You don't. So, it, it, so you, if you took the ra, are we punished? Uh, sure. That is, a, you're correct. Absolutely. Correct. But does that mean that every single manifestation of evil is a result of sin? But if you don't want to run, maybe in that sense, but it's not a mathematical equation. One, that might be true some of the time. That is only one slice, it's one factor. Sometimes that's true. When a Nazi is put to death, that's because he sinned. 
He said, why me? Well, God, why me? Because you're evil. That's all. That's all the story. He said when someone's evil, they get punished. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, it's not, that message well, is true. Well, not, true. Well, not, but not all of reality. Why? Because we see that it's not true. Right. It's a complete sentence. But therefore, every, every, but every single it's idea is true. I, 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 uh, that's the point. It's walking away and logically... Logically manipulating the situation with other instances, but the the sentence here is complete and and. It's not true for every single situation. 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 It's not Issue, not of all issues. So That's your fault. That all evil is the result right. of the same thing. It doesn't say if you're not evil. It doesn't say if you're not. It doesn't say if you're not. Right. But also, it says you're not evil. If you're good, if you are good, okay, good. If you are good, you get rewarded. But it does not tell us ever. That if you are good, you I still may punish you. Never. That wouldn't make sense. So that well, happens. That's the story of you. That's what you're saying. Wait, wait. So the ultimate answer we have to understand over here, I would say, is that does the system work such that yesh mita below yisurim? Gemara Shabbat phrases it this way: Is there suffering without sin? Yes. Good. There is. Is all suffering evil? No. Suffering could be cathartic. Suffering could make you grow. Suffering could make you into a different kind of a person. Suffering can give you a better perspective on life. Ah, so that's taking one angle. That's, one, that's another angle. What about the so angle? So that's not, you have to separate the two terms between evil and suffering. It's a big angle. It's very important. So the Gemara is a mathlokit on this issue. The Gemara means, the, the promise of the Gemara is, Eim mitah below yisurim. Eim mitah below yisurim below avon. If you, if you have a person dies, a person suffers, he sinned will ultimately conclude that many people will die without sin and suffer without having done anything wrong. But another big angle could be Yolam Haba. Maybe you're going That's through... That's another premise. Correct. now goes beyond what we see. Okay, so now he's... Maybe you're going to suffer now it doesn't mean anything compared to what the pleasure and the reward you're going to get in Yolam Haba. Correct. the next one? But, see again, we all agree... One second, let's go one more point. We all agree that if either person suffers, that's no problem. Right? Right. That's number one. And we also agree that the wise person gets rewarded, no problem with that either. Right. It's very nice, that the system needs to work. The problem is that when a wise person suffers, right? Now, the question over here is, this is why it's a complicated problem. Let's say he suffered as a result of somebody else's free will. Okay, that's part of the system. That's Rabbi Akiva. Righteous man, shows good his whole entire life, now he's suffering. What's the answer? The answer is that he is the recipient of somebody else's free will chosen evil. Is that part of the world? Now, Rabbi Akiva would say, yes, that's part of the world. I accept it. Because that is the world. The world is that that manifestation of evil directed at me, I have to accept because that means free will. If there's no free will, there's no world. We're all robots. There's another factor over here. So we, have, so we have a lot of different things in this whole entire picture. But his bottom line, again, will be that there is evil in the world. There are rights people who suffer in the world. What, am I going to understand it? No. What should I do about it? That's his practical focus. What does Halakha teach me to do? Halakha, underline. What does Halakha teach me to do when I am confronted with evil? It's the issue. When somebody lost his entire family in the Holocaust, what does he do about it? Does he wallow in his misery, ask the question, why me, why me, why me, and become so philosophically overwhelmed by it that he cannot function any longer as Primo Levi, who we discussed and ultimately committed suicide because he looked Primo Levi, who wrote a number of books on, on the Holocaust. He was a chemist in, I think it was, um, I think it was Germany, yeah. And who ultimately committed suicide well, three years ago. Why? Because I, he couldn't deal with the reality. He never assimilated that reality, could not creatively deal with it, therefore he ended up ending his own life. Is that the right Jewish answer to that? The answer is no. But so let's say that is the fatalistic person. It happened. I can't control it. I am subject to these forces, I can, I'm immobilized by my questions, by my intellectualizing, I can go nowhere. On the other hand, there are many people who went through that experience of the horror of the Holocaust, 
and did not submit passively and hopelessly to the evil that engulfed them. Rather, they rose up and took a number of steps forward and they used the suffering to refine themselves, to exalt themselves, to increase sensitivity to other people's suffering and they ended up stronger people. Is that, could that justify the evil? No, we're not going to answer the problem. That's what we said to you from the very beginning. Just accept it Just and create the evil. And grow up and have faith in the future. And grow. Right. Grow. Right. Don't stop. Yeah. Let me just. But the fact that you're growing is not going to prevent it from happening, from happening to you. No. You can't. It happen, 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 happen again. Right. Correct. It'll all happen again. But that's how we deal with it. So there's really no point. What's that? What's the wrong page? Goodbye. Right. There is a point. <laughs> there is the point. The point is to create a. Let me just be honest, the point is to try again, try to and continue to, uh, to look. Exactly, right. To get, to get to get to become a constructive individual. You know, you well, know, once you live, I mean, in other words, we've discussed so far, the first paragraph was Siddiq Vidalo, the evil to the righteous person. Second, he said, Judaism is able to provide a approach to this problem. Not a solution. We're not going to answer the problem. There's no answer to this issue. It's, in, it's a philosophically impossible to solve is the way that he's approaching this issue. The Talmud, in fact, does give all kinds of answers to it. The Torah does not. Tanakh does not. The Bible does not. They remain with a question. Talmud has an intellectualized, rationalized answer. In general, Talmud, biblical thinking is more existential. It's more alive, it's more open, it's more passionate, it's more living, Talmudic answers are more analytical, with a lot of premises. It's more structured, and therefore they have a lot of, they solve the problem of evil. Biblical does not. He's going back to the Bible by quoting the Yahweh, and Shayyah, and all these people who say that we cannot solve the problem of evil. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, nobody solves it anything. No. What do you mean? No. You couldn't solve it. You're not solving it. You did not even know. This is an answer. This is God. Tell me what the answer is. I can't tell you the answer too bad. So at that point, that, that was the last point where you couldn't solve it. Yeah, no point. He asked the question in Shemot Lamed Gimel. What are your ways? Why is it evil in the world? Right. What's the story? Moshe asked the Kodesh Baruch Answer. Man cannot comprehend the, the entire most comprehensive view of reality and still be human. To get this infinite view of humanity, infinite view of the world, you have to be divine. You can't understand it. So Moshe did not, nobody will understand it. Despite all the 25 different premises you want, nothing can make it work. What do I do then? His answer is, should one be Yehud or Goral? Yehud, fate, you're a leaf on the sea that just gets thrown around and you can't control, you can't do it, you're just a passive subject. Or can you be Isha Yehud? Isha Yehud means the destiny to take whatever it is that I have, whatever deck of cards, is, is dealt to me and simply grow creatively from this experience. Paragraph 5, page 160. Judaism with its realistic approach, Adam to man, and his station in reality, Hedina, understood. Evil was not given to erase away, to ignore, and to cover up. All of the attempt to lessen the value of the contradiction and the conflict that is in existence will not bring a person there to Miluhatanefesh, to to a kind of a soul satisfying answer. Sorry? Peace. To soul peace. You won't get peace by all of your attempt to wipe away evil. Evil is realistic. It's real. It's there. The lonely dead to present has sword to existential style. And you will not <clears throat> come with all your thinking to a grasping of the secret of existence. Evil is part of existence. You cannot wish it away. God has created evil. Or at least it's there. It's part of creation. It's an intrinsic part of creation. Even at the end of Eeyore, <clears throat> when you think of Eeyore, ultimately, what do we see? We see that it comes back to creation. Evil is part of creation. You may even argue evil had to be part of creation, not because of free will, which is one issue about evil, but the evil is there for what? For us to overcome it. Our quality as people 
is determined by our approach to evil. Meaning, if we see cancer, what should we do? Should we buy a nice new $40,000 car or should we try to cure cancer? That's a challenge that we have on a daily basis. Should we buy a $400 suit or should we give $200 to a suit and $200 to cancer? Because that's evil. Cancer is evil. So one may argue, let's say this is what he says, but one may argue that our quality of you as human beings is dependent upon seeing evil in the world and overcoming. There's a guy starving to death right this second. Right this second, guy starving to death in uh, Bangladesh. What should I do about it? Should I eat an extra bagel? Have a, a two donuts? Or should I put the food on the side and tell the guy, this bagel sent to Bangladesh? Should I write a letter to the Congress? Now, we don't see this as well, but we do see in terms of a homeless in Manhattan. You look, look in the hand, you see a homeless guy. What do I do? Well, go out and buy my... Uh, my uh, Mont Blanc pen for $200 or do I buy a $100 pen and give him a candy bar? What should we do? That's a challenge that one has. There's evil in the world. We agree. What should I do with it? Not, you don't say, should I philosophize so the guy drops dead or should I do something about it? That's the question. Right? Uh? Well, what about the, the, let's say, a child is born in India or whatever and a family where there's no food and the child is born and then dies a year later. Okay. Now, I think you can say, well, you're asking us how we should deal with evil, you know, we should be spending... Perhaps evil is part of creation. But how does the child or the person who's born into that situation has no control over... Well, that child, right, right, right. Uh, right. right. How does the person from that point of view... Point of view right, that's the evil, sure. From that point of view uh, appreciate what you're saying. Because that person can right. help another the person. The child. Correct. You're absolutely you know, right. I've had a chance. You know, that's the, right. That's, the, that's the evil you know, from that point of view. What? You're right. That's evil from that point of view and, and it's, they will, that's A, the they will suffer as a result of our neglect. Right. That's free so will. We have free will to not give that child a baby. They will suffer. Well, that's true because that's all the problem of evil. Okay, but let's Second. say now, let's say if your, let's say your audience now is not us, where we can have an effect over evil and we could, you know, spend the money on buying food for poor people, let's say your audience now is these children or these people who are in totally no control of the Okay, that's what I mentioned. The answer there would be is to, really is to, is to try people. and create, his point is, you're right, they're the recipients of evil, right? right. So we're, I'm saying that they, uh, from our perspective it's a challenge. Right. From their perspective, what do I tell them? From our perspective, it's easy. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a challenge. I don't know if it's so easy, but it's no, a challenge. it's easy because <laughs> we have a choice. Okay, you're right. Well, we may suffer other forms of evil. We may have the riches and wealth to solve the problem, yeah. and this is a divine gift. This is what I'll say in a few moments. And, what, and we decide to in, indulge in our most fantastic fantasies of wealth. Right. The guys for $100 million, like, you know, that, that have a gold-plated uh, uh, car. <laughs> Okay, so in that situation, then God may say, hey, I gave you this gift of life, right. gift of wealth, and you didn't use it to, to really stop that evil. Right. So therefore, I'll take it away from you. Now, you will be the recipient of evil. Not of evil, but of suffering. That's, that's called yeah, suffering. Yeah, you said sometimes people don't... Uh, Associated to? Right, I mean, right. I mean, sometimes that could people be. don't uh, get punished for what they didn't do. We don't know. We don't know the whole picture. Right. So okay, we don't now, know. Now so, your audience is this. Right, so now in this situation, I will tell you that what he's telling them. We, we can't solve this issue while you're suffering. Okay. There is a connection between what's going on there and here, not through the but let's try to think creatively and actively and try to shape our environment. How can we do it? Not to the one year old, obviously, but to the 50 year old man or 30 year old woman, what do we do now? The child dies, that's okay. okay. What should we do now? You're assuming that these people are uh, conscious enough to think they're, they're so hungry. They're not even paying attention to Okay, that could be. Then I have no hope. Then it's, uh, I, mean, I throw the ball back into our court. Let's try and solve their lot in life. Judaism teaches that human life is very valuable, infinitely precious. Let's try to improve the world. That's our function. That's our ultimate goal as Jews, to mend the world, to fix the world. That's what we have to do. But there's two different answers. You're right, two different messages. His message over here is to those victims of evil. What should we do? And he really talked about the the, uh, the rich, the fat cat Jew in the 1950s who only cared about going to Florida to his condominium. And he wrote this 1955-54. And he's saying, is that what you should be doing with your money? He's very tough. He's saying, instead of, his ultimate point in this essay is, look, we just went through the Holocaust. What should we do about it now? Should we philosophize about it? Should we try to solve the problem? You won't. 
You won't do it. What should you do about it? To try to creatively respond to the evil by accepting it as God's will. Okay? And to that degree, there is your point before, namely that it does emanate ultimately from Hashem. Whatever happened in, in some sense. In the Holocaust. Correct. They did not accept Some did not. Some did not. But what's the response? What's your choice? No, the, if, you you say if, God, if, God, if God did this, a lot of people don't believe in God because he did this. I'm saying that they believe that God That's good. That's, that's fatalistic. Right. So now, right. now where you act? But that's not going to happen. You lose faith in him. Okay, that happens. You believe in God, but you lose faith in him. Okay, good. So the other side, he would say to you, look, I cannot solve this problem if you. It cannot be solved. Nothing that I can say can make you feel better. But what happened, this is... This is, uh, we, we experience this evil, whether it's a result of free will or whatever. Let's call it free will. The Nazis started to exterminate us. They did so. Now what should we do? What are we doing here? Yeah, well, we should try and better ourselves. So instead yeah, of believing in We should rebuild our homes. Yeah, of course. But, no, saying, but they all think that. But they, that's the point. He's specifically telling the Jewish community, right, let's go to Israel now. Let's rebuild our land. Okay, but they did it. But w- when it came to, to God, most of them refrained from... Yeah, well, some did, some didn't. Okay. Some did, some didn't. Understood. They, they, would, they would believe in it and move forward in their lives. All right? Try to justify it any way they could. And right. you know, put God on the side. Some did that, some didn't. Of right. course, like Eli Wiesel, of course, I'm from the Holocaust as an unbeliever because he could not believe in a God that did what he did. Right. But ten years later, he believes in God. Right. He came to a belief in God, not understanding it. But A, there was a need to believe in God, because you can't believe in mankind, because mankind sat back and left whatever all this happened. Right. Nobody helped anybody. So I, I have a need, A, there's a, a need for a belief in God. But also, but also there's some kind of perspective yeah, that he had. He, he purged himself. He, through his writing, he was able to sanctify life. And therefore, at this point, he is. He, he sees beyond the Holocaust. At one point in his life, Holocaust was the whole entire sum of his existence. But then he started believing in life again. He got married when he was quite old, when he was in 78, no, 63 or something. Got married, had a child, now there's life. But now there's the miracle of life. So now I have the miracle of life against the, the curse of death. Now, what do I do now? So once you have seen the miracle of life, that may give you some... I don't understand this issue. I'm not going to ever understand it. Can't understand miracle of so that's his point. So now I've seen the miracle of life, let me go ahead. Let me choose to believe in life rather than believe in death. What should be my motto in life? Death or life? I can't, I'm not going to kill myself, so I'm going to live or die. What should I do? So he's going to choose to believe in God. He chooses. It's the will to believe. I choose. Despite this, or maybe because of this, I have to believe in God now. And he may come to the point that, again, the Holocaust is the least of the problem of evil because that really is human will. Human will is such that Nazis could choose to shoot a, a three-year-old. However, we get, that's free will. Whatever God did, that's free will. What do I do now? That's free will. So that we understand. That's, that's not really the, the precise problem of evil. There's other problems of evil which are much worse than that. The fact that a uh, Nazi decides to shoot a kid, that's free will. That's easy. Does anyone have a problem with that? that a person will come here to you, still on the side, so he in the leg. His free will to get you in the leg. That's the easy problem of evil. You're suffering. You're, you're anything wrong to, you can do anything wrong. What should I do now? Should I go to the hospital and get my leg fixed up? Or should I wonder why you do Why you do He chose to do it. You were the recipient of his evil. Now you go ahead and deal with it creatively. That's what he's saying. Okay. Let me just go on a little bit more. So he says, All the philosophizing will not give you peace of soul. Will dare to accept that soul? And you won't understand reality. Hara hu Evil is a fact of life. You can't deny it. Yesh no ra. There is evil in the world. Yesh no sevil. There is suffering in the world. Yesh nam yisure sheor tofet ba'olam. There is the afflictions of hell in this world. He wants to fool himself by ignoring it. It's not bad, just, just ignoring of the fractured nature of existence that we suffer. And romantically, romanticizing life of mankind. Same life is wonderful, it's gentle, it's, it's idyllic. Let's say one would approach life in this way and ignore evil. This person is a fool. The Jose has a word, and a dreamer of dreams. It's impossible to overcome the evil monster of Ra, of evil. 
you cannot overcome the monster evil philosophically and speculatively. Lachen, therefore, Hechriya Yadu, Judaism decree, Ki Adam HaShakua B'Ma'al Kegarot Kefu'ah, that a man, a human being, who is mired in the depths of fatalistic, of frozen fatalism, Kefu'ah, frozen fatalism, Lashav, for not Yavakesh, he will seek out Pitron, the answer of Ba'yah to the problem of evil, in the framework of speculative philosophical thinking. Impossible. He will not know himself, and he'll never find an answer to the problem of evil. You can't understand it. But die, of course, Yes, life is good. Torah says, Life says, Torah says that life is wonderful. Amitivi, it's true, life is good. He does not contradict the fact that life is good. Ulam, however, This is telling us that life is good, from the perspective of a glance. Ha'etz of feature said, Life is ultimately good from the perspective of, the infinite perspective of the Yotzeh, of God. Ultimately, this whole world is good. Ultimately, in the infinite perspective of Hashem, life is good. It's a positive issue. It's good. I think Buddhists are for someone, no? No. He's saying there's no bed. He doesn't have no bed. Ultimately. Ultimately, In other words, let's say I'm, I, I'm suffering on Yom Kippur by the fact that I'm not eating. I really am suffering. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm suffering. But is there a good, is there a good to that? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritualized. I'm, cath- I'm cathartized. I am pure because of the result of my suffering. Am I not? So, in the ultimate perspective of what I learned, life is good. So, in the... In the little byways of the way the world works till we get to an infinite perspective there's evil well life is good but it just has bad experiences in it so I mean there's all <coughs> the okay right the well, right. ultimate it's bottom good. line is going to be that all the suffering was for good right was to get you on the path of good he's not going to say it's that it's all a master plan and it's all he said it is a master plan and all fits in it all will fit into the mosaic of the world from the infinite perspective it, it of the good world I'm sorry it will be a good world right Maybe it's not planned, but you can impose your own plan in a way on it. You can be the force for good. And, that's, you know, that's part of it. Oh, yeah, good. Right. You should be the force for good in the world. That's part of this whole issue. Part of the issue is that there is going to be free will chosen evil. But is, uh, is, is, is this saying that the, the Holocaust is in the plan? To get in the, the plan, good? In the plan to the extent that e- that evil was chosen by the Nazis. That's part of the goodness of the plan. In other words, it's part of the plan to end up good. Yeah. But no, well, not exactly that. It wasn't predetermined. But part of the goodness of the plan is free will. They chose to do evil. Well, in that case, yes. So, so because of it was, it was to make this whole plan good, you have to have free will. In the ultimate sense, if you have no free will. What do you have? If you have a good, you have a better world. This is, of course, the philosophical question. <coughs> what you want as a better world? All, with no free will, all people choosing good. Is that a better world? Or is a better world, a good world, where people have free will, some of whom choose good, but some of whom choose evil. And those who choose good, they suffer because the evil chose the others. What's the better world? Good, you have to more mention more when there's both. You have to mention more the more 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 this is like the no headache. You'd be you out of cash register asking for money if it was you. No headache and a headache. If you have a headache, there's no how good it feels. That's true. Everybody was feeling good. You need the headache first. Okay, so that's another factor in this whole equation. Of course, you're right. That the presence of some degree of evil does make us appreciate good and work towards good and alleviate suffering. That's what I meant before by saying that evil was you know part of divine plan. Some degree of evil. Maybe we intensified it. So I wouldn't say that it's great to have Hitler's Holocaust in order to teach me about human life. Right, exactly. But that's part, so there's the overall picture, when, when we need to see the overall picture of the world, we'll say that even though there were these little barbers of evil that were massive and horrible, but they're explainable. How so? But A, whether it's free will, whether it's to appreciate the good, in other words, maybe I'll stub my toe. That's part of the evil of the creation for to appreciate wholeness. I mean, people have told me that everyone that has a gallstone appreciates what 
the, the beauty of going to the Bathroom Hills to put it in a kind of a gross context. That unless you unless you have that stone and don't know what it means, but pain that you experience, then you appreciate. Wow, Marabu Masek Hashem. Then you say Hashem with Kavana, because then you understand what it means to to have a healthy body, functioning humanly in the appropriate way. That's what I have.
Correct. It's just going to make you feel better, but there's no truth in it. No, you find the question. He says, what's up there's no truth in it? He's saying, that's not going to make you feel better. He's saying, well, it's not going to solve the problem. Because it's a form of evil that you can't... Well, it's a form of you cannot explain. Yeah, okay, good. Although, again, 25 days could solve every problem, but it's really going to ultimately not solve the problem. It's on the given column. Right. Okay. In a historical plan for the world, you cannot penetrate to the secrets of evil and suffering. What is it like? It's like a person who sees a curtain which is a finely tuned, um, woven kind of creation, which from the backside looks like a massive oil st- uh, strings coming out and all the loose ends of the of the woven tapestry coming out. When you turn it over, which is the cosmic view of the world, it all makes sense. Ultimately, does the world all make sense? He says yes. Ultimately, from the perspective, infinite perspective of the Creator, is the world good? Yes. Does it all make sense? Yes. Is the whole picture going to fit well from the ultimate absolute vision? The answer is yes. We'll write that. I'm sorry. We'll write that. Hashem. We'll write that history. Oh, you're saying you can't judge it on the individual level. You cannot judge it from a small, narrow slice. It's a big picture kind of a story. That's what he's saying over here. Good. Let me skip to the next Zion. The Kitsur. Zion, bottom of the page. He says, in short, the idea of the fatalistic, accumulating, destiny living. Cancer. What is it? This is an active sort of life. When a man confronts his environment, into which he was thrown, from an understanding that he is a unique, singular being, free, independent. It's, he has the ability not to lose in his struggle with the environment outside, because he's independent and free, he can create, but he can... But an infant, you can't say that. No, of course Obviously, not. Obviously, you can't no. compare it to that story. No, of course you can't. You're absolutely right. Not to that. No, that's the age of 13. Whatever the age may be. Right. That he should be taught that, look, he was born with X, Y, and Z, and by the best being hungry. But he should overcome that, whatever it may be. Overcome whatever evil that you are experiencing, and not wallow in your misery, but rather creatively deal with your destiny, and fashion a new destiny. The basic model of the I, it's not my choice I was born. Not my choice I was born. But you can live freely, willingly, a life of creativity. The man is born as an object. He dies as an object. But it's in his power to live as a subject, creating and inventing, innovating. Hamat that gives a stamp on his life, his stamp of individuality. He becomes an individual person, becomes a spiritually valuable person. Stephen Hawkins, who is uh, one of the most famous of contemporary theoretical physicists, has been stricken for the last 20, 30 years. He's a quadriplegic, cannot utter a word, cannot move a finger. And yet he's married, has children, and is one of the most brilliant theoretical, physical expression of the universe known to mankind. Now, what do you think about that person? He's physically disabled to every degree you could imagine and worse. They said he was going to die in 1963. Now he's living 30 years later and he's produced the most important work in theoretical physics in the last 100 years or 50, 75 years. Stephen Hawking's from England. We know him. We read about him. He's been popularized. He wrote his first book. He made a movie. He made a movie. What's the name of the movie? I don't know. They made a movie of him, as well as his famous book is called, um... He was born that one? He grew to that one. He did. But his, his significance is lasting. You know, and, and now he's, uh, you know, married, child, whatever. However that happened. He created and fashioned and shaped. No, he's not born that way, I don't believe. But he, you know, at the age of 20, I think he was, now he's about 50, this happened to him. He didn't give up. To the contrary. Sorry, I'm going over time. <laughs> You did that on purpose, right? But you have it somehow rigged that you wiggle your tongue and you're getting tired. What's that? What are you saying? That one, whatever the reality to which one was born, whatever it may be, one right. has to creatively, actively shape one's destiny to the degree that one, that one can do it. What does that have to do with the whole uh, uh, argument of, uh, of evil? 
to say that you cannot solve the problem of evil. You're born as Stephen Hawkins was born. Right. And it's horrible, debilitated, physically inept state. Right. So what do I do now? I become a brilliant physicist, use my mind. I cannot speak, but I can only give an eye to get my message across. Right. And I've got a computer which, which understands what blink and what actually saying. So that's what he did. He creatively fashioned us. He rather than someone saying. But I think that, that, that story is irrelevant in, in relation to uh, our child. Perspective. That's really what he's doing, though. Stephen Hawkins put the evil because I said, look, I lost my body, but I have my mind. I know, but the, the, the way it's coming across to me is <coughs> he overcame evil. He didn't overcome it, he couldn't understand it, he didn't understand it, he grew the spider, he rebuilt his house despite the fact that his house was felt by the hurricane. This is again Rallo sitting there crying, what am I doing, 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 what am I modern technology and everything. Was that the next step? Just to go back to your donut story, to preserve the donut so that we can send it, scientifically preserve the donut so that we can send it to the opera or wherever? So it doesn't, doesn't say that. But is that, is that the rationale? He would say that science should be studied simply because to study science is part of the human endeavor to conquering the world. Right, but, but we were able to preserve the donut so we could That's the use that I should make of right. my mind, because ultimately, yes, a good person is one who will, who will use, use that intelligence right. and to... Correct, exactly. Yeah. In other words, our ob obligation is to conquer the world. Conquer from physical disease, conquer, expand, that's the nature of the human mind, expansively. Of course, withdrawal from conquering the world is Shabbat. I cannot go down the Creator that can expansively, endlessly, infinitely manipulate nature. No, I must withdraw the Shabbat, but on Sunday morning, right. I expand my intellectual and physical horizons. Now, what do I do with that expansion? Is it intrinsically good? It is good, intrinsically good. But it should also be used to improve the lot of mankind. You're right, and that's, in that sense. Correct. Okay, let's get to the next, the next paragraph. Kamun Amara Bekuma Yudishul Adam Bukat Zikat Mikurit Erbayatara. As I said above, the Kiyumur Ayodit, the destiny-like existence of a man, of this person who sees himself as a man of destiny, not fate, Bokat, breaks through the Allah and rises up a whole original approach to problem evil. As long as the man struggles with the fatalistic existence, his approach to evil, his bhakti, is expressed only with a, with a philosophical, intellectual approach. He is a creation, he's a creature that suffers who does not have the power to struggle with evil in order to lessen it or to save himself for a higher purpose. He's just a suffering and is wallowing in his misery. As long as he's a fatalistic person, he has lost his ability to solve it, to, to deal with it. He's a fatalistic person, he cannot conquer anything in his existence. Life has taken over him. He is fed from without. And his life, uh, his life is completely stamped with what image, with what stamp? The stamp of the environment does what it wants with him. Unless it's fat, he doesn't eat. He is completely immobilized by the evil that he has experienced. That's over. Chapter 10. The Ram, however, The man of destiny, in contrast to that, he approaches life realistically, as it is, and does not desire He doesn't try to take a harmonizing principle and hide the evil, and to hide it away from sight. The man of destiny is a real realist. And he does not <coughs> shock by his standing face to face against evil. He's not shocked? He's not, um, yeah. Shocked? Yeah. In the top. He's not pushed back, so to speak. He's not pushed back. In other words, we face evil. What do we do with it? We conquer it. We do what we can. We deal with it. We don't simply let it conquer us. It's a very proactive kind of approach to solution. It's very existential. Take evil and do something. For another 
Which I skipped? Right. Yeah. Because the, the man of destiny lives a full life. He flies above. The blessed was not a clue to this person uh, who is created is do it. Fruitful. Multiply. Conquer the environment. And put it under you. If you don't, if you don't rule over it, it will rule over you. Just that situation. There's there's that question over here. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Because there was Harbana all around them. They thought, sure. And they said. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. It's logical, but he doesn't say so. I don't want to impose it upon him. Uh, but it is logical. I understand what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. And looking at it from history, like you said, the overall history, you see eventually that we're coming there. Yeah, so you can't, right, correct. You can't. So you can't justify every, you know, Sodoma that instance and so on because it's ten generations down the line. That means coming. coming. No, we don't. We don't justify. No. I mean, that that you don't not justify, but you don't judge it. Judge it. Well, you don't know the whole perspective. Right. Till later on. Correct. Yeah. You said Torah. Halachit. What's that? What is the approach to life? This person who was afflicted. His approach to life is halacha and ethics. Halacha. Halachit. What's that? Ethical halacha. The Torah he he kolimah metaphysic. So that and it's absent. Every kind of philosophical speculation. When a man of destiny suffers, he says to himself, Yes, no, no, there is evil. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to try to do well with intellectual pupil. No. What I want to know now is from the point of halacha. So, I'm going to say that in a session, I say, What do I do about it? What's the halachic? Response to evil. What should Halakha do to do with everything in life? To have to eat, how to sleep, how to drink, how to be intimate with my wife, everything Halakha, correct? 